Welcome everybody to the Do Yo Live audio experience. This is your host, Dennis Schiraldi. And if I sound like I'm coming to you on NPR, it's because I have my good friend today, Deanna Facillo Hines, joining me from Montana, pre-post exclusive interview right off of her knee surgery. What's up, Deanna? Hey, Dennis, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing really well. I'm trying to get rid of my whole WWE like excitement when I come on to my podcast and vlogs and webinars. Like, um, but I do get like super excited to talk and interview with people. So it is really who I am. Um, but I also realize like it feels like a little bit stagey. So, you know, I yeah. joke around about that and we were starting to talk. You are the founder of Social, I'm sorry, Sassy Girl Media, um, the Entrepreneur Society, have a live vlog going, live series campaign, whatever you, how you want to determine it, um, as the uh, fearless entrepreneur. Uh, thank you for having me on that, by the way. Absolutely. And it's funny. Um, this is where I want to start today. All right. So the Do You Live marketing show has been around for about four years now. We've done everything from vlog to live interviews and really have been trying to get the audio portion of this going with the podcast and we can repurpose that for whatnot. And we were fumbling around. I was, I say we, I was fumbling around with the name. They're like, is it the Do You Live marketing show presented by iSynergy, sponsored by Icons of Youngstown and all this other stuff. And then it was like, and, and the main thing was this, is that I just started going. It wasn't perfect from a branding perspective. Feels a little all over the place. Like maybe is it a blog? Is it a vlog? Yeah. What's the naming convention of it? The bottom line is this, is I didn't let that cripple me or stop me from executing. What do you think about that? I love it. I absolutely love it. And I think that's sometimes what you just have to do. You just, you have to just go for it. If you're wait until everything actually feels perfect or you think it's perfect, you could miss your opportunity. And, and the reality is it's never perfect, right? <laughs> There's always tweaking and growing. So I, I'm all about just jump in and do it. And I couldn't settle on the name for like the longest time. I was like trying to figure it out. And then it kind of just kind of came to me. But like, so let's talk about your recent live vlog yeah. with the fearless entrepreneurs. You've been interviewing people now pretty much on a daily basis for over the past two months. Tell me about the genesis of that idea and, you know, what, what you plan to do with that. Well, you know, it started when everything really hit with this coronavirus and the world stopped. I had a lot of friends, clients, friends, um, colleagues, right? Of course, we all start talking. We're, we're shifting gears. We're trying to figure out what to do and how to do it to the best to, to keep driving some kind of traffic to businesses. And there was that period in the beginning that was almost terrifying. And for some business owners, almost paralyzing of not knowing what to do. So I just wanted to sh share, right? And I don't have all the answers. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to just go live and I'm going to bring on friends that I have and people that I know and that I like and that I respect. And we'll just talk about different aspects of business and hopefully what's shared will reach the right ears. And these small business owners that are in fear right now 
we'll find some solutions. So I, at first, it was probably just going to be a week. And then it went really well. And there was such great information shared. And it went to another week. And like you said, now we're two months in. And I, I'm that circle has pretty much spread from my inner circle to people that have reached out who have watched the show and said, Hey, I would love to be on that. I would love to contribute. And it's pretty cool because there's so much really good information that's being shared. And, and I think that's so important. So what's the future of it? Well, heck, I mean, I hope I continue doing it and keep having people on and it's still a resource for people to gain some insight and maybe even meet somebody virtually that they may not have known before that maybe can solve their problem and they can work with or at least figure out um, how to do it on their own or just overcome that fear, right? That, that first happened when everything changed. Has there been a commonality to a lot of the interviews or anything that you've gained out of them thematically? So for the most part, I mean, most of the interviews have been, the theme have been, it's been about business and business aspects. And there's been a few that have been a little bit outside of that because it hasn't, typically I'm talking to the small business owner and that's been my brand and my voice forever. Um, but lately there have, I had um, Ayana Simone on who is a author. She's a published author at 17 years old. She's from Ohio. She started, she wrote her first book at 12. And I had to have her on because even though it didn't really fit as far as uh, small business in a sense, I'm like all these people right now. And when I say these people, there are so many people that during this pandemic are not working or maybe their, their jobs have ended or they've been put on pause because of this pandemic. And now they're looking for alternatives and something else to do, but it's scary. So having her on was like, listen, if this young woman at 17 can publish a book, right? Cause we always think our kids are too young and you are a great example of this. Like you involve your kids in what you do and you want to inspire them and see the work that goes into it. But a lot of people have this mindset that they're, their child will follow the plan that the parent has set for them. And sometimes the kid already knows. And it's like, you know what, just go for it. Like you've got a dream, chase it. So, so there's been a few little deviations from it that I think have been pretty cool. Um, but for the most part, most of the theme has been just about different aspects of your business and things that you can do to grow it. What do you think that when we obviously, you know, you're in Montana, Ohio is starting to loosen parameters and there's a, still a lot of debate over whether or not it's too soon or too late or, you know, are we opening up just for business purposes and whatnot? And I, I do have some very strong opinions at this point of that. What do you think kind of comes out of all of this from a business marketing sales perspective when it comes to you know, obviously a global pandemic and really impacting the world for, you know, the better part of the past two months. So, I mean, I think that this caused everything to change and, and being in Montana, it's a little bit different than Ohio. Obviously I'm paying close attention to what's going on to Ohio and I have friends in New York and 
some other areas that this pandemic has really hit hard. Out here in Montana, it really hasn't. Uh, I think right now, statewide, and please don't quote me, but I think that there may be 40 active cases in the entire state. There was a little over 450 um, cases in all through wow. the state, which is minimal in comparison to what others are feeling. So, right. so it's a little bit different out here because a lot of things are kind of businesses usual but it's not they still have to shift and there are people that had to rethink things in general i really believe that this has forced a lot of businesses to rethink their their business strategies rethink their marketing strategies you know when they're when you're used to having maybe a brick and mortar and people are coming in and you realize that can't happen anymore and it's shut off immediately, how are you going to change that? And what are you going to do to get that message out? So I think that it's really changed the way that we think about our marketing and we realize how important it is. I've seen businesses that don't do much marketing at all really amp up their marketing game during this time because now it's crucial. And when you're using social media, more times than not, it's free. I mean, it, you can get your message out there for a minimal cost. Now, if you're running ads, which I always recommend running ads, um, so you're a little bit more targeted, you still can do that for a low cost. So I think people are really seeing the value in digital marketing and and connecting with people. I think yeah, I've seen some I've seen some businesses introduce some products as a result of you know, trying to get through this piece and, and, and by no means, um, you know, nobody has a, I mean, a hospital obviously, and even limited from a government perspective has a global pandemic playbook. But like yeah. one of the things that I learned back when I was about 12 years old and I started my first grass cutting business, and I was just teaching this in J junior achievement last week was that one thing that I learned at about 12, 13, 14 years old was to basically what we now, you know, this, this, you know, phenomenon of multiple revenue streams, yes. diversification, right? And like when yep. I was 13 or 14, I was cutting six to eight lawns a week in Louisville, Ohio in 1984, 85, pulling down 60 to $80 a week. And that was like, that was a lot of jingle in my pocket back Heck then. yeah. Right? I mean, that goes a long way, especially in 1985 in Louisville, Ohio. But then that one summer, a drought hit. And mm -hmm. as we know, when the drought hits and, you know, nobody in Louisville had like sprinkler systems in the early 80s. So it was, there, was, there was no grass to cut and my business literally dried up overnight. And so for the past seven years, I've worked very diligently to try and create multiple revenue streams in my business not for a global pandemic but just in general like as an entrepreneur there's been different times where like one business was like really crushing it and it was amazing then the other two were just like maybe it was a seasonal cyclical thing maybe it was a slowdown thing maybe it was you know whatever that was sometimes one of those businesses would get very operationally heavy at a certain time of the year and so what happened is, or, or clients would drop me, right? Or I would drop a client. So like I started, it started to become, it's a big pain in the butt, 
right? It's yeah. not for the lazy, but it also <laughs> prepares you for a moment like this when literally right now, two thirds of my business is caught up in global pandemic. A third of my business is still, you know, going very well and, and growing. Um, and so that's, that, that's one thing I think that hopefully businesses take out of this is like, okay, I'm gonna get back to work and stabilize your business. And once that business is stabilized three months down the road, even now you should be thinking of what's the other place that I can generate revenue within my business because you just never know. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And I'm, I'm grateful that I have, you know, and we, you and I have talked about this before because there's multiple streams of revenue that I do. And I was always like, I'm juggling, like, I'm not really sure, you know, I've had this agency and I have this consulting and it has always felt a little confusing to me, but I've loved both components of it. And so I always kind of was, wasn't sure how to put it together. And now I'm very grateful that I had both of those components <laughs> because they were both needed in different ways right now. So I- Yeah, totally. Like if you're, if you're a marketing person that relies solely income on speaking at marketing conferences around the country or industry right. events, uh-oh, right? Like, right. and again, like I'm not, I'm not throwing- I'm not criticizing any or any of that, but it's just the, the, the reality. So hopefully people come out of this with an idea of diversification if they didn't already have one. I think the second is the content play. And mm -hmm. I had some folks on last week and we were talking about their fitness studio where they are now offering a lot of free Facebook live classes. Right. And I think I even said this on your show is that, you know, with the, you know, with the, the yoga studio that's decided that they're going to do some free Facebook lives to, to keep people interested and engaged in an audience. And then some of them are offering classes behind a zoom. I said, like right now, if anything that this shows is that we all want to connect in person and we all want to be a part of that community. And so by building your audience with content, by giving goodwill, by giving some free courses through Facebook live, there's no less people that are going to come to your workout facility, your pizza parlor, whatever it is that you have to offer. If you're willing to be able to push content for free and that, right. And that's what a lot of people are doing right now. They're like, they're taking that approach and we've pulled back from like the traditional, you know, the, the TV advertisement or the, you know, ad people that put their personal agenda in place to sell product instead of build audience through goodwill and then eventually convert that. And I feel like right now that's what a lot of people are doing. And I hope that they don't stop doing it. Oh, I agree. I agree. You know, I know this pandemic uh, is not a good thing, but I see so many good things that have come out of it. And that's one. It's that goodwill. It's the neighbors helping each other, the businesses helping each other, the local support, like, it's really cool to sit back and watch everybody come together. And I hope that we don't lose that. Yeah, it exactly. It's, it's kind of like the, you know, the post 9-11 effect is that do we really need a global pandemic to be a reminder to check on the elderly in our neighborhood? And yes, I get it, right? It, it's right. come about. Um, but in the same note, do we really need and we shouldn't have, hopefully, but it, it's, it's the situation that's brought us, brought us to the consciousness to, to actually have that. Mm -hmm. Right. 
So what's going on in social media right now that excites you? Um, well, you know, I, I don't know if it's excites is the right word, but I'm curious about it. Facebook is launching their uh, messenger rooms. They're competing. They're going after Zoom. And they are going to have these rooms where you have your own room and you can send a link, very similar to what you did today, send a link to your friends and they can come into your messenger room and you can video chat or do whatever. So that's getting rolled out. I don't have access to it right now, but I am definitely curious about it. And I want to, I, I just want to check it out and see what it's going to be like. But it's kind of funny because everything that goes really, really good with another company, Facebook really goes after them to duplicate it. <laughs> it does. It's become, you know, I mean, obviously stories, um, you know, stories pop, Snapchat had its moment and like, and then Facebook just developed, you know, around that. And I, um, you know, it's, it, it, what I, what I'm still kind of perplexed on is what, when I see all the experts and, the industry experts saying, you know, telling me, um, I, first of all, I hate when, when people use the term Google likes it or Facebook likes it. Right. And I'm just yeah. like, that's the stupidest shit that I can even wrap my mind around. What about what your audience likes? Right. Right. And so people start talking about, well, you should be posting or this is how frequently and yeah. like you should post. And right. I'm like, <laughs> I think that that's complete garbage. I agree. Because there's so less little stuff getting seen in your feed that if you want to post 10 times a day on Facebook, you're not going to see any gain or any loss. Right. I know it sounds like ridiculous, but like, I, I truly believe that. And if you can well, convince me otherwise, or even Instagram, um, not saying that you should go do that, but it, it's not wrong to do that. And I think that like, there's so many people that have like, you know, you shouldn't be doing it. Facebook does not like that when you do that. Right. What do you think about that? So I agree with you. I, I think, I think the bottom line. Which you rarely do, by the way. Pardon me? Which you rarely do, by the way. I, I rarely do agree with you. You're right. <laughs> so save the date and the time. But, but no, I definitely, I do agree with you. And I think across whatever platform that you're doing, the number of times, the time of day, you know, those are good guidelines. Like they're there to kind of give you a starting point, right? But the reality is uh, you just put out really good content, put out information that people really want to know and bring value to people. And I think that's the most important thing. You know, it doesn't matter. And I've tested this actually, even with my own page, you know, we both test everything. Everybody should be testing their, <laughs> their content all the time. That's the other works and what doesn't. Regardless of whatever the article says or the expert says, like, I, I really think that, you know, you just need to be your own test kitchen. Like you need to go like run it yourself and see, see how it does. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, you, you can have two businesses very similar where maybe that one business has to post 10 times a day to get the same engagement that business B posts once a week and their audience is loyal and totally engaged. And, you know, there's, there's no right or wrong rubber stamped answer. It's every business is very unique and you have to figure out what your audience wants and what they respond to. So, you know, 
It is a very good point. It's a, it's such a good point. I have one brand that I refuse. I'm so afraid. And I have been for almost two years now to put any money into their Facebook advert or Facebook social media, because I am afraid that it's going to go away. They have a tremendous word of mouth business. We've just tapped into the online psyche of that. It's so interesting. It's a kitchen business. Mm-hmm. And when I, when I, when I'm out posting like the beautiful dream kitchen, the Insta kitchen, like, you know, like the showroom stuff, our engagement's like fairly limited. When I post pictures of people that work in the business, the culture, it's off the charts. Right. Right. And yeah. so like we don't post, and I'll, I'll flirt with like posting two times a day for like two weeks straight to see what that looks like against posting one to two times per week against two weeks. And what I found is that in that particular instance, I get more engagement and better results from posting one to two times a week and the people in the culture versus the two time, two times per day of the kind of more of the product related type of outcome. Right. Right. I mean, and that I, I get it. That is that business's solution. That's what works for them. So don't, don't change it. Right. Don't listen to the so-called experts telling you that you need to post 10 times a day because in that case you don't. I mean, there's so much information out there and there's a lot of good information, but there's also a lot of bad information. And the bottom line is whatever you read, there may be some truth in it. There may be a lot of truth in it. There may have been truth years ago in it. Just test it yourself and see what works for you. Yeah, because we've been at this long enough that now you could become full circle with it as well. It's like, wow, video's hot. And I'm like, wait, I thought video hot was hot like eight years ago. And <laughs> right. and then you look at your statistics and you're like, is video really hot? Because I got a thousand three second views but nobody really watched more than 50% of this video that was less than a minute in length. Right. Right. So like, I hear you, but <laughs> I hear you. I get excited and, because now I can target them. Though. That's still enough time to target. <laughs> it, it's true. So if you're going to build an audience for retargeting purposes, three seconds is plenty enough. Right. Um, so, so, uh, that's, that's an interesting facet. I'll be interested, is interested to see how, and obviously, uh, to where, you know, that ends up and that goes, it'll be interesting to see how much of the mind share, um, starts to get taken away. Like, I don't feel like we should have a one size shoe fits all mentality to the stay at home order. And obviously it doesn't make sense in a state like Montana that has the, um, that's sparsely populated and has the low, uh, areas that are, that are more hotspots, but you know, what are we going to lose online? Um, you know, and is this going to be a really slow, long process? Are you kind of like planning in that direction? What's, what's your thought process as things start to open back up again? Can you repeat that question? Because you broke up right what, in the middle of it. <laughs> what, what, what's your thought process as things start to open back up again? Well, things have opened back up again over here. Well, that's so, what I was, that what, actually the part that you didn't hear was 
that I don't think that a one size shoe fits all mentality should be in place. And obviously a place like Montana versus Ohio shouldn't be living underneath the same rules, right? But as things like start to open up more in, in densely populated areas like in Ohio, what do, you, what do you think projecting out, like what's that look like? As far as what the business will, businesses will look like? Or Marketing how wise. consumers yeah. will respond? Marketing? Business wise, like are we gonna lose online mind share? Like, what, yep. So yeah, I think, I think there's gonna be a bigger awareness of the value of marketing and digital marketing. I think that, I think that businesses, like you said, they're going to be thinking a little bit differently in the sense of, you know, what are some alternatives? What's a plan B? It's not just, you know, selling pizzas. Like what's the second piece of this that we can do to generate revenue if something happens again? Because the reality is, and, I, and you hear the chatter, right? If we open up too quickly, then this is going to happen again. We're going to have to close again. Now, I hope that's not the case and I'm not getting into a battle of what's right and wrong with this pandemic because I have no idea. I've read the information and I'm still really confused on um, what's right and wrong, but there's that threat out there that it's going to happen again. So I think people will start thinking a little bit differently as far as how to, their whole business strategy, right? What their goals are, how they're going to, what their plan B is, and there's some different alternatives. They have to. Yeah, I mean, I think there's so many layers to it. I mean, obviously, at first, there was a lot there, you know, like yesterday, there's an article saying that they actually said that the first COVID cases in Ohio were diagnosed in March, which is complete fallacy. They actually have antibody testing now that that is showing that people were carrying it back in January. And I think that the amount of information and misinformation and what we're learning, what we're not learning, um, and the impact overall, right? Nobody wants to you know, everybody wants to be sensitive and I'm super appreciative of the frontline healthcare worker um, and the people at the grocery stores that don't have much of a choice. They got to go into work and, you know, they don't make a ton of money and all those people that have had to maintain, you know, I'm, I, I am sensitive to that, but in the same note, you know, there's obviously a lot of turning in the small business community about when can I start to operate my business again? Like I really need to make a living. And it hasn't been relatively easy to go through the SBA or unemployment to get in line to get, you know, awarded these things. Um, but I understand the necessity behind that. And, and nobody wants to be politically incorrect or insensitive about it. But, you know, the layer becomes now like, okay, we're starting to lift out of this. And then the media right away jumps back into saying, not so fast, my friends, there's a second wave coming. Make sure you right. hunker down. And like, you know, we love, we love a good disastrous dumpster fire type of story. Um, not to say that this isn't serious, but you know, the, the, I'll tell you what's interesting is the, um, the video that's circulating around social media called Plandemic. Have you seen it? You know, I haven't, I did see it circulating. I didn't watch it. Oh wait, it, wait, is, is this so the one about videos, we're causing more videos. harm by not interacting yeah. with the yes, I did see that one there. So here's what's interesting about it. And this is like good marketing fodder, right? This is kind of going back to like, um, so, so basically, you know, like you have very sensible people that are in your social media landscape. They're like, I don't normally share this stuff, which then, right, they're like kind of validating like, so I don't normally get into politics, but here's a good one for you. Like that right. disclaimer, don't you yep. love that? I love that disclaimer. I've, I've been guilty of that disclaimer. I don't normally send this, right? 
So it's like like your PDAs on social media. So anyway, okay, so you don't normally share this. So I'm going to take this more serious. Okay. But here's what's interesting about it. I have no idea if the information in there is accurate, not accurate, valid, not valid, scientifically accurate. But here's what it is, though. It is a tremendously well done marketing video that's well produced. And people see it on a screen, which right away, they're like, wow, like this could be true. And there's the yeah. whole, there's a whole philosophy um, behind it, right? So like I looked it up and like, there's an article out there that talks about, um, I think it's Aristotle. Aristotle talked about the ethos, the stratos, and how you build an emotional rapport with people to get them to sympathize with you. And then you throw out some credible information that you think is credible. Bottom line is this, if you, look, if you take anything out of that, pandemic, right? if you make an incredible, well-produced piece of video, people are going to believe what you have to say. Possibly, I mean, possibly. <laughs> So, it's more likely, it's more likely, I think you still have to bring facts. I don't think that. My, my point is make the analogy for your business. And if you make a very strong video for your business, that is, is full of facts that represents you very well. People are going to believe that and it's only going to help you. Right. Right. The full of facts part is, is the piece I was, yes, they yes. will. Yeah, I'm not saying to make a pandemic video, but I mean, obviously, like people believe what they're like. It was on faith. Like we're still having they that do. conversation, by the way. <laughs> you know what else I find interesting? So, like up to this point, it's like you, you know, you'll hear people of all ages, and they're like, you know, everybody just walks around with their face in their phone, and social media is the demise of the United, blah blah blah, this and that, and all this stuff. But this has been our only lifeline to the people mm-hmm. over the past sixty days. Very true. Now it's okay. Now it's okay to Al stare at your phones. Come on the computer. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like I do good. Get- even commercials. Even the commercials are showing everybody online, you know, and that's a good thing. It's a good, warm, fuzzy feeling. <laughs> yeah. Up to like two months ago, like this was tearing society apart. Like everybody's just now this is literally the only mechanism through va- video face chat, social media, like there's still things going on on social media that make it crazy. But yet this is now the only mechanism that we have to be able to communicate and have human interaction. I wonder Uh, if Zuckerberg's behind this pandemic. (laughs) (laughs) It's the Illuminati with the new world order. (laughs) A sprinkle in of the Freemasons. And... (laughs) And our ability to want to control people through vaccines. Uh, yeah, I've heard a lot of them, you know, and at a certain point when you're locked up for so long at your house, like you start to, you start to think into some things like how much of this is reality? How much of it is not reality? Um, right. But uh, all right. So, so we got, we've got that going. We've got the um, marketing for the better what's on tap for you for the next um, three to six months you had a number of speaking engagements lined up are those been rescheduled or are they going virtual what's the story no, there? those are those have not been rescheduled they're kind of on hold i don't really know it's kind of this waiting pattern most of most of my speaking engagements happen at the end of the year and the beginning of the year 
So it's that fall winter gap. Um, so yeah, I'm just kind of waiting to see what's going to happen during that time. There was one event in Vegas that I think um, is still on, but um, not a hundred percent sure. So it's really just a holding pattern right now. But you know, my my three to six is really just to keep doing. It's kind of funny. Shutting down kind of helped me find this new groove that is more productive. <laughs> like, and I realized like how much wasted time I had. So people don't, I, I mean, I, I, you know, like I love going out and being in front of my, my customers and on a consistent basis, but like I have become totally more productive because of the fact that there's no travel time involved of getting ready not that that takes me a tremendous amount of time, but then the commute, um, the meeting, the commute home, and then like getting back on task. So I know that I've been incredibly more efficient and I've worked at home for about the past decade. So, you know, it's just been over about the past three to six months that I've really like put an emphasis on obviously being in front of customers about three days a week. Um, and so we'll see where, we'll see where this goes when, when we head out of this from that perspective. I'm right. not sure. I think it proves one thing that businesses that are heavily invested in commercial real estate are probably rethinking some of that long-term plan. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Although right, I, right now it's kind of funny because I've worked out of my home too for in Ohio, I had an office to go to, but since I've been in Montana, it's been out of my home, which is fine. It, it serves my purpose. But now that I've had to stay in my home, I, I want an office outside. <laughs> I want an office outside. I'm like, I'm going stir crazy staring at these walls. You know, but. There's this company in Columbus that they basically make these pods of, of small shipping containers. They actually take them and they cut them in half. So it's more retrofitted for like a house. Yeah. And they basically then build it in, they build out the inside with a desk, flat screen TV, kind of like to your parameters. And it usually equates in like two to 400 square feet of space and they'll park it at your house. And I actually called them because they were launching in December, January. And I was always like, Hey, like, you know, I'm always playing up obviously my audience through, you know, do yo and icons and that what we've built over the years to, you know, kind of play the, you know, we've got an audience strategy and we can, obviously we can, we can be one to many for you. And so there was no deals in that, but there was, they were willing to build me one and it was going to be a six month commitment. It was going to be like 700 bucks a month, which if you're in Columbus, Ohio, like that's a really good deal on office space. Yeah. But in Youngstown, Ohio, that's really not like the best, you know, the best rate because I think I could find office space in the, in the little town that I live for like three, three fifty a month. Yeah. Um, and now I, when this all hit, I kind of kicked myself in the butt because I was like, man, I would have had like <laughs> a nice little office pod to walk out of my house to go obviously yeah. in work every day and not have the distractions of four little ones running around in the background. Yeah. That's tough too. I mean, I don't have little ones here, but that is, that's hard to focus. But, but I will tell you this, like one of the things that I think most people don't recognize about at-home work, and when I first started, I went from a very people-intensive um, outside sales type of position to then working remotely with GE Healthcare, and 
my, you know, I stared into a computer and phone for like eight, 10 hours a day for the better part of three years. And so at that point we were actually living in Columbus, Ohio. I had an, I had a detached garage to my house and I actually built an office above my garage. Cause what I found was like, I was working in the house where I'd work out of an office in my, my finished basement, my house. And I'd walk from downstairs to upstairs in the kitchen and nothing changed. Like mentally, it's a very difficult thing to be in your house because then you just, you walk into another room and you're still at work and it's hard to separate that. Something physically in Columbus, when I walked 20 yards from the back of my, you know, out of my house into my garage meant that I was in a different space. And mentally it was, it was a very healthy thing to, to do because at first it was kind of hard. You, do you do that? Like, do you wake up and go for like, get out of the house and then come back in like you've commuted into work? Or you no, rolling roll your office in the PJs and. Yeah, <laughs> I do. I, as soon as I get up, I, I have a cup of coffee, get, you know, do like some of the morning stuff, but I'm still in my pajamas. The very first thing that I do is I'll read my emails and go through them. So I walk into my office, read my emails and then answer what I need to answer. And then I'll go, get a shower, get dressed, get ready for the day, and then come back into my office. And yes, every step of this is all time blocked on my calendar. (laughs) Really? (laughs) So, but I do, but you, you are absolutely right. in what you're saying is that you just, you still don't feel, you don't have that mind shift. You really have to force yourself to shift when you're working out of the house. And it's something that you have to learn how to do. It's not something that comes easily. I really like working from home on Mondays and Fridays. Yeah. Mondays is kind of like, I mean, I have a lot of meetings on Monday mornings because a lot of things I do happen to be sales and marketing outbound oriented. And therefore that's the best time I've, I've always felt for salespeople. Nobody wants to hear from you as a sales rep Monday morning. So I think that's a good time to have those in, you know, those, those consulting meetings with, you know, about sales. And then Friday, obviously I want to kind of be in position that come three, four, five o'clock, like I don't want to be worrying about my commute home. I want to be worrying about, you know, what dinner and what bottle of wine that we're going to be, you know, cracking open that night. But like, um, I don't get to email first thing in the morning. I generally try to put email off to 10, sometimes 11 o'clock in the morning. Why? And I, I don't think there's a right or wrong. I'm just curious what you're thinking. You don't want to get bombarded with all that in the beginning. <laughs> I, I don't want email managing my day. Oh, okay. I mean, okay. I think it is, I think it was drastically important enough. Like somebody's like probably going to pick up the phone and call me or, I, you know, but at the end of the day, like I, I want to be, I don't succinctly plan my day like you do, but I Generally, I get up and I have some sort of routine that's involved, and it has a lot to do with the three or four or five lists that I'm managing and making throughout the day. Um, and I generally want to go and see what's going on in the world as opposed to what's going on in my inbox. Um, I and then once I've gotten through that context and kind of seeing like news-wise what the what the you know what life looks like, um, and then I'll, I'll start to ease into kind of like email and I'll do that. Um, if there's a hot burning email throughout the day, I'll address it. But if not, I'm generally like checking email, like maybe 
a couple times a day, like 11 and like three or four in the afternoon um, to right. see if there's any responses that I need to have, you know, beyond that. Um, right. You know, it's other, other interesting thing is this. So, you know, you've been, you've been meeting, um, you know, working remotely and a number of my clients did not have a work from home, work remote culture. And I was able to bring that experience as a byproduct to them. And we really started to on a lot of the teams to always have video on. Have you, have you, is that something that you've implemented, expanded on, or just it doesn't happen with you and your clients that you're going to meet over video? Oh, no. I, when I made the move out here to Montana, um, it was at that point that really we started meeting over video. Now, not all of them. Some email is fine. It really depends on the client, but no, we are definitely meeting over video and Zoom. I use Zoom a lot. That's what really helped make the transition, the move from Ohio to Montana so seamless for me. You know, it's interesting is that like within teams, within organizations, like some people are very open to always doing the video thing and then, then it, you know, so we've established that culture with like 25 to 50% of the organization. And then it's just funny that some people kind of don't want, um, for whatever reason. And, and I get it, or I, maybe I don't get it, but, um, I get it. They don't want to necessarily put that video on. I do think that that's a helpful thing for anybody that's working remote, whether it's with a client or also kind of like other people from, you know, like, um, from a company, right. Internal meetings as well. Yeah, I, I, and I'm a fan of, of video. And the reason that I, I think video being on is so much more beneficial, especially when there's something that you really need to discuss, right? There are times when an email is sufficient. There's times when a, a phone call works fine or doing something like this on just audio. But when you can actually see someone's expressions and uh, evaluate that when there's a bigger topic, then I think that's really important. I think there's value in that. I think it's great. I mean, I enjoy, I enjoy all my video conferences. What, what are some other like tips that you give to at home remote work? Because I, again, like I think that although as we come out of this stay at home order, I think a lot of organizations are going to look at this and say like, do I really need that 5,000 square foot space or 2,000 square foot space? Mm -hmm. And, and um, you know, like one of the things that I typically do, as you know, is I've gotten in a routine or a habit as well with phone calls. So like, I don't want every phone call coming in to dominate my day either. And I've got, you know, chunks of time or things I've got to get accomplished. So I've gotten better over the past four years of whether it's noon, one, two o'clock, going for a walk and returning phone calls, mm-hmm. remembering what those calls obviously are about instead of having a conference call where I'm sitting on my butt for an hour. Um, I find that that helps me both from a mental perspective and a physical perspective of, of getting my 12, 14,000 steps in during the day. Um, what mm-hmm. are some th- other things that you're doing you know, working from home that you recommend other people do get dressed in the morning, those types of things. Yeah. So I definitely think you, you should get dressed in the morning. Um, 
because it does it, it makes you feel like you're actually doing something. It's easy to get lazy if you don't get dressed. So I've seen people saying, I haven't been dressed in four days. And I'm like, oh my God, how is that even possible? <laughs> like, but whatever, like to each their own, right? I don't know how you can do that. I need to get up and shower and, and get dressed. And But again, these are just my things. So two things for me. One is a time blocking really works well for me because on one hand, I really need to stay on task. And so when I can look at my calendar and I know that from, from 7 to 7.30 a.m. that I'm checking my email and I know that from 8 o'clock a.m. to 9, I'm doing just my quick to-do list, right? And then I'm going to start getting into I have time blocks, like which client's project I'm working on. So on one hand, that keeps me efficient. The other part of me, right, is that part that I cannot sit in front of a computer all day long. I will go crazy. So as much as I appreciate the time blocking, I am someone who needs to step away and I need to do something else. Now you go for a walk, right? But I take these little mini breaks through the day in between each session. And that mini break can be like empty the dishwasher, throw some laundry in, call my mom, call the boys, just something like a 10, 15 minute little breather away from things and then go back because I need those breaks um, in between my day to keep me actually more productive. So definitely I, I do those things. Um, if I am off task, I don't, don't beat yourself up. Just get right back because the thing is working at home is great. And there's a lot of really, really cool things about working at home. But you have to be really, really disciplined because it's so easy to just leave room office, to go to room, family room, flip on the TV and prop up your feet, right? Make some lunch. And then you find yourself watching one show to the next show to the next show. And you're like, oh, I don't really feel like I actually feel a good dose of guilt, though. You have to be careful not to work more because, like, I feel – like even yes. early on, I was like, oh my God, they're watching me. Like they know that I'm not working right now. And then you work like straight through 10 hours and like you're not taking breaks at all. The, yes, one of the challenging, that's so true. One of the challenging things that I have is that you all have to be recognized, you know, that, and you may not have this, you know, once this stay at home order leaves, but is setting boundaries or parameters with other people that are when you're cohabitating. So like, yeah. you know, Obviously, Deanna, you're married, and it's you and your spouse. Yeah. On the other hand, it's like me, 11, 9, 7, 2 and a half, a wife and a dog. And, like, so there was a lot of distractions, and I have people have accessibility to me, you know, like, just, I guess, I guess they would have accessibility through text or phone call, but, like, it's just right there. They walk in, like, whenever they feel like it, and you, you and, and there's, like, you know, there's times that I'm heads down writing yeah. and how hard writing is, right? It's like, you know, like, Oh, you have to get in that zone. <laughs> times I'm motivated and just nailing it. And other times I'm grinding through it and I'm like, I'm in, I'm in a flow. And like somebody walks in like, dad, what do you think about it? And I'm like, Oh my God. Like you're, t I'm like, I, I literally like, I push them. <laughs> He's like shove them out of my office. Um, yeah. You know, I think that those, you know, when you have multiple people living in your house, it, it's setting boundaries. Um, you know, I've, I've been the, 
you know, there, there's been like times where like Joanna's just like, hey, you're home. I'm going to run out to go to an exercise class. I'm going to leave Leo here watching a TV show. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. We haven't learned from the previous three kids that he gets bored of that in like 15 minutes. And the next thing you know, he's like hanging out with me in my office and I'm yeah. getting nothing done. So yeah, <laughs> be able to set boundaries. Okay. Yeah, you do. And it's funny because um, when I was in Ohio, uh, I lived very close to my parents and my dad retired. So if he knew I was home working, right, he could see like a light on or, or the car in the drive. <laughs> He would just stop over. Like, he couldn't wrap his brain around it. He'd stop answer. over. So, you know, when your dad comes, you got to stop what you're doing. You got to put some coffee on or get the bottle of wine, right? And then you end up sitting. And the whole time, you're like, I've got so much work to do. But you don't want to be rude and say, can you please leave? Because so much <laughs> of the context of this is probably, you know, either either gained on, on the, a lot of our audience in Youngstown, Ohio, and lost <laughs> on the other half. But, like, it really is true, like, having an Italian-American you know, upbringing family. And now my wife, I married into one, like my father, there's no, there's no parameters. There's no, <laughs> there's no buffers. It's, yep. you know, like we don't have to call you if we're stopping over and, and you know, like, <laughs> yeah. like why we have to do that? That's my sister's house. Like why would I have to call her first? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was the part that I really struggled with, you know? Um, and it was hard because you felt like, I felt like a bad daughter if I would say, and I did have to eventually say it like, dad, when I'm at home, I'm working and this is my office and you can't just pop in, like, shoot me a text, give me a call, you know, we'll figure it out. But you know, what a good time is, but it was, oh, he was so good at coming right in the middle of something important. Like, like <laughs> He still has that knack. God love him. I love him. But he will call me with something really, really big. Like, two minutes before I go live. And then I'm, I'm like, what? <laughs> what just yeah. Happened? And then, and then you couple that to the fact that your business is social media, which people are like, yeah, you know, what's the big deal. It's just like, right. It's just like, cause it's a tool that they utilize to post things about candy crush. And you're like sitting there trying to figure out how to tell the story of a brand, but right. yeah, it's, it's just <laughs> Facebook. Right. 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 Anyway, yeah. Deanna, I appreciate you, you being on. Uh, why don't you tell people uh, about all the good stuff where they can find your uh, content and assets and connect with you online? Awesome. Well, thank you, Dennis. Well, Deanna Hens, and you can find me on Facebook, on LinkedIn, um, Instagram as Sassy Girl Entrepreneur. Make sure you follow me. I'll follow you back. I promise. Um, you can go to my website, sassygirlmedia.com or sassygirlentrepreneur.com has all the consulting and the blogs and the blogs are on there. So be sure to follow me and feel free to email me. If you want all to right. chat about anything, shoot me an email at deanna at sassygirlmedia.com. 10, 10, uh, 10, or I'm sorry, not 10. I, I say 10, there's really six rapid fire questions to end it with. Oh. And they've been Always shuffled. Always throw me off. I'm so bad at these. They've been shuffled. So if you, you are a frequent flyer, repeat offender, you've been on before. So these are not the same. Oh, I suck at them. Go last ahead. Good business, last good business book you read. Oh, um, it was, oh my God, I'm totally blanking on it. And I'm looking at my bookshelf. It was so freaking good. <laughs> <laughs> It was so good. Wait, I'm not talking. It was so good. Like the rest of everybody that answers this question, like I can't remember the name. 
No, um, it was okay. The compound effect by Darren Hardy. I found it on my bookshelf. Really, really good. And it is talking just about starting with one small step. It doesn't have to be a big step. One small so step. I would for definitely people. recommend it. Best social media campaign you've seen in a while. Oh, this is so bad because I'm usually working and not actually paying attention to other people's stuff. Best social media campaign. I am totally blanked. Was it? Is you could it be self-serving. Is it? No, it's not Wendy's. You could um, be self-serving. No, I'm not going to do self-serving. Um, there was, it was on Twitter actually, and I'm, it wasn't Wendy's, but they were very in line with Wendy's and it was hysterical and I loved it. I loved, I, saw com- I, I, I saw this amazing commercial for Bullet Bourbon on YouTube and <laughs> Facebook. And it was basically how this guy was pouring bourbon at his house and everything that looked like a face, he was like saying like, he was using these voices and welcoming them for happy hour. Oh my gosh. It was hilarious. That's um, funny. To get inspiration, finish the sentence. I dot, dot, dot. To get inspiration, I go for a walk and get away from everything. Right now, I go for a walk on the rims, which is like, I thought it was a mountain when I moved to Montana, but it's not a mountain, but it's out in nature. And a bigger hill that's within Youngstown. <laughs> it's a lot bigger than I go up there and, <laughs> and I get away from everything and just really take in nature. I sound like such a, a nature freak and I'm really oh. not, but, but that's how I get inspiration. This is such a gender biased feminine question, but I don't really care. I'm throwing PC out the window. Purses or shoes? Oh, gosh. They're both so important. Um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say shoes. Although I probably I can't say no to a good purse either. But I'm gonna say shoes. (laughs) This is a dangerous one because you may not have seen either or both or one. Tiger King or Last Dance? I have not seen either of them. (laughs) I might be the only person who hasn't seen either one. I know. Facility is Deanna Hines is not tied into binge watching shows on Netflix or Hulu or any of the above. Actually, I'm really hooked on Blacklist right now. Have you seen Blacklist on? on This is my show. When you have me on your show, you can ask me questions about (laughs) the shows that I'm binge watching. (laughs) I haven't seen the other two, but I'm Blacklist right now. Uh, You're Blacklisted from here. Um, When this. This all ends. What are you looking forward to the most? Seeing coming to Ohio, seeing my boys and my family. Cool. Yeah. Thank you, Deanna. I appreciate you being on the DO Live audio experience. This is going to be syndicated across Apple, Anchor FM, our websites, uh, doyolive.com. You can subscribe there. We'll send it out to in our email, social media channels. I want to thank everybody for dropping on by. This has been sponsored by iSynergy and also Icons of Youngstown. Thank you, everybody. (laughs) Thanks, Dennis.